This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Views and opinions expressed in the podcast and social media are our own and do not represent that of our places of work. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions, or corrections of errors. Welcome to Nothing, Nothing Happens in a Small Town. So we've just been chit-chatting for a little bit before starting because the uh, neighbor had the lawn stuff going on. And it's yeah, like, weed whacker. <laughs> and I swear to God, it sounded like he was whacking the weeds right outside the window. Yes. So we were just been sitting here catching up on, even though we chat like all the time. Yes. We don't always chat about the deep stuff because when you're at work. Right. They monitor, so anyhow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they're just like, doo-ba-doo-ba-doo, is he done yet? <laughs> I think so. We think so, but if you hear some background noise, you know. Yeah, well, you know, you guys have listened to Dylan before, so. That's true. Yeah. yeah. And I, I heard the, um, there's live music. Oh, yes. So yes. we, it, the really kind of cool thing about where I live is like, there's a, <laughs> Well, okay, it's sometimes <laughs> cool, sometimes not. But there, there's this basically <laughs> right across the street, there's a bar. And it's kind of like hidden behind some trees. So you don't see the bar, but we get the music from the concerts. But we also get the music from the karaoke singers, which... <laughs> <laughs> we all know most karaoke is not quality singing (laughs) (laughs) and a lot of us i know a lot of the neighbors are like oh i don't like karaoke night (laughs) like that's when you um pull all the blinds turn on the tv really loud Mm -hmm. and yeah netflix and uh some popcorn have some fun (laughs) (laughs) but yeah no i thought i think i as i was getting out of my car um i think one of the band's name was dead puppies okay so FYI, if you're into dead puppies, they're in Odenton. Yeah, at Odie's Pub. (laughs) Anyhow, so um, today... We are talking about Adrian Reynolds. And this, I'm going to be doing a few trigger warnings in here just because it gets pretty gruesome. Yeah. Um, It's a little... Wow, this one, and the interesting thing is, this one's another Illinois one, right? And I was living in the area at the time, but I don't reason, remember hearing anything about yeah. this. I didn't live there at the time, yeah. but um, I don't remember hearing anything. I was, but I do not remember hearing about this, and it's so crazy, and it's yeah. like, wow, I can't believe I missed this somehow. <laughs> You're like, how? I've heard a few other podcasters do this one, and. The first time I heard it was actually a Morbid Podcast had done it. And okay. I was listening to them and I'm like, wow, this is like back, you know, yeah, this backyard. Is it's in like, your backyard in Moline. Wow. Well, so crazy. And some of the small towns surrounding. Yeah. So Adrian was originally from Kilgore, Texas, and she moved to Moline, Illinois at 16. She lived with her adoptive father and stepmother, Tony and Joanne Reynolds, and she she was kind of a troubled teen. Right. So she had had, she had gotten into some trouble. She was not doing well, and that's part of the reason that she moved. They thought, maybe a change of scenery. Maybe yeah. it's just something well, she heck, needs. That's what happened with my dad. He was getting yeah. into trouble in uh, LA mm-hmm. and went into and lived, uh, moved to Galva with his <laughs> aunt and uncle Okay. to hopefully settle him down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then he became, you know, the, the pot guy. <laughs> anyhow, well, he, and was, he was my, he was my family's drug dealer. Oh, anyhow, okay. sorry. So pot, whatever. Okay. Adrian was, uh, she went to Blackhawk College Outreach Center, which is like a GED program. Yeah, that's actually, I looked up a little bit about it. They do, um, they have a lot of different 
uh, more than GEDs are one of the more common things that they go after, but they actually do a lot of different like uh, certifications and what have you. And I'll talk about it later. But yeah, it's pretty. It's a it's a really good public outreach. Help people get skills mm-hmm. to do different jobs. Yeah, so that they can you know get out of poverty or get out of a bad space if they don't have a degree right and so she started this in november of 2004 uh she was working part-time at checkers and she she was um you know kind of a cute little girl she had a southern drawl because she was from texas and she was immediately kind of this popular girl just because i think she's she's the new girl she's cute there is something to that new kid in town especially in the midwest when you've got somebody who is so different right yeah like midwest you've got a southern sounding girl Ooh, Mm -hmm. who's this right and so around this time uh sarah kolb is this she's like the queen bee so she's very popular and she notices Adrian and brings her into her, her sphere. Yeah. Yes. And I mean, Adrian noticed that Sarah is this very just, I don't know, she's got something about her that draws people to her. Right. She's a bit, she's very alternative. So, you know, she's more into the goth kind of look, emo, you know. And that was totally a thing at this uh-huh. point in time, 2004. And- I mean, emo started a little earlier but that's really when it was right big and sarah was you know very into the alternative and sarah and adrian was a little more you know she was more of a cute girl she was she would wear pink her favorite color was pink you know so she was just more on the i guess cute and innocent side versus but was friends with and into the goth scene yes you could say i was kind of there too because i didn't necessarily i wasn't really pink but i also wasn't dark eyeliner and all black (laughs) like i am now (laughs) like you are now yeah i mean i pretty much went from i think i was very much more a very girly girl into Mm -hmm. more the uh, dark goth creepy look where i was just town tomboy yeah you could throw a dress on me every once in a while (laughs) (laughs) um so at first they were very close good friends um but then their relationship kind of changed sarah became interested in adrian uh romantically sarah was very openly bi adrian was more bi curious yeah and she did consider dating sarah because they're relationship just was right i mean how many people they start as friends and then it blossoms into something else right um cory gregory was one of sarah's friends um cory was a little infatuated with sarah and he kind of a lot of people said he was very much in love with her and he just would do whatever she she wanted Yeah. yeah Um, so he went to Moline High School, but transferred to Blackhawk Outreach Center. And the three actually had a lot in common. Uh, they were all members of the uh, <laughs> Juggalo scene. So that means they were into Insane Clown Posse. I um, got a bunch about Juggalos. It's, it's actually really interesting. A preview is people think, because, I mean, the Insane Cl- Clown Posse, they were very... Um, how would you say it's a shock they went for shock value yeah and um but they have a message which actually some people argue is very christian based Mm. there's an argument there and it seems like there's like a split group the the insane the juggalos are either really really um more rage against the machine like we're against everything um with regard to uh social order and what have you and then the other group is very helpful lift up and Mm -hmm. they hate each other which is awesome yeah (laughs) and i i do know that insane clown posse has done a lot of good yeah i know they've been actually trying to look up what they've done that's bad is hard there's a handful of uh, altercations like after uh, an event like 2 a.m and somebody getting into a fight with them that's about it yeah. There's really not a lot. Right. And it was while I was trying to search for 
um, anything bad about them that I found these two, that the juggalos are really, there's a split, there's mm-hmm. a rift between the good and the bad juggalos. If you really want to call one good versus bad. Yeah. Because really being against social construct that just it's kind of a rite of passage with teens anyway to Mm -hmm. be kind of how do I go against what my parents want me to do. Right. So hmm, anyhow. Well, and um, Sarah was kind of that way, too, where she was kind of like she she was trying to help people. And that was kind of interesting about her that I was reading that. It seemed like she was like, uh, yeah, totally into how do I how do I uplift others? Yeah. yeah. And And then the things that happen kind of don't make a lot of sense when it comes to her, just because I think I think there was kind of this for one thing, she she did like being queen bee and she was very much like if you didn't really follow her it, it you know it you're not with me, me or of, against me yeah is the bully of tulan yeah he was if you're not with those, me you're against me yeah. yeah and so it's one of those things where it's like you know if you're one of her close friends she was always trying to to better you like do anything she could yeah but, but you cross her oh forget it she's vicious vicious yeah Um, it's it's really crazy because you read all these friends accounts of how great she was and then you go this is in total contrast (laughs) right (laughs) completely against the nature you say she had right so sarah decided to test adrian because she wasn't sure how serious adrian was about her right that whole is she just by curious or does she actually want to be my girlfriend right and i'm sorry people testing your love just ask yeah come on y'all and that's um but again teenagers yes and exactly this is a teenager thing and one saturday night they went to the party house um it's actually called the party house yes um and it's it's a a known known juggalo hangout. hangout and initially they were hanging out but then adrian started flirting with a guy and Sarah did not like this. And then Adrian slept, slept with, with the, the guy. guy. And Sarah took this as betrayal. She Yikes. was like, this is not okay. And she was she was mad. She was yeah. really mad. She pulled a knife on Adrian. Yes. You're like, what? Yes. So we go from, I love you, I want to be with you, you to, too. you die, bitch. Yes. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Very crazy. And... Um, so Sarah, though she had her her buddy Corey, who was puppy dog in love with her, right? She, she did also have had a, boyfriend. a boyfriend, and I don't know. So I think that she got the boyfriend after this thing with the original Adrian, thing. But yeah, because otherwise you're like, wait a second. So I can have a boyfriend, but you can't, right? Again, this is another one of those weird. Uh, the person with the power gets to decide all the rules and the person who doesn't have the power needs to fall in line or else. Right. But this is what so, I'm hearing. In any case, she had a boyfriend, Sean McKittrick, and they have been dating about three weeks when this whole went down. When it went downhill really mm-hmm. fast. So something caused a fight again. They had been kind of fighting off and on. Sometimes they were getting along. Sometimes they weren't. This is Sarah and Adrian again. And you are fighting. And I guess Adrian either asked Corey out or liked Corey. But then in another thing, I saw that apparently Corey and Adrian maybe had a mutual agreement thing where they kind of liked each other. And Sarah then started threatening to kill Adrian. And January 21st, 2005, Sarah invited Adrian to lunch at Taco Bell. Corey and Sean were in the car. And this is where I'm going to go ahead and throw a trigger warning because this is where it gets gruesome. So they were, Sarah and Adrian started fighting. And they're fighting and screaming at each other in the car. Well, Sean's like, I'm, I'm, I'm out of this. I'm yeah. out of this. So he jumps out of the car and leaves. Well, then Corey holds Adrian down while Sarah strangles her. And she strangled her with a belt, hit her with a wooden handle at the same time until she did, she was dead. 
Um, they then took her to Sarah's grandparents' home in Alito and attempted to burn Adrian with gasoline. And they had to go get more gasoline because she just wasn't burning. Well, if you know anything about, about yeah. bodies, you need a very high heat. <laughs> right, because we have a lot of water. Right. We're very damp creatures yes. inside our skin. So if it doesn't get gruesome enough, um, that didn't work. So they called this guy Nathan Got, got it. Yeah, I don't know who this guy is either. And uh, he used his grandfather's handsaw to remove her head and arms. And all I have written here is, um, WTF. Yeah. What the fuck? Because, I mean, they call a guy and he just comes over. Who is this guy? I know. (laughs) It's like, what is wrong with you that you would come and hack somebody Oh, Oh, you're having a problem burning your body. Here, let me bring a hacksaw and a hacksaw. So, yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Do you know how much force it takes to cut through bones? Now, what was he? This this is one. I don't actually know anything about this guy. Was he like a a butcher? Because that's part of it is being able to get through the correct areas that So he's another kid that goes to their school. Okay, because I somehow missed out on him. Yeah, so he actually, he went to their school. Um, They knew him. They knew that he talked about... Talked a lot of crap. Well, he talked about killing things and seemed a little mentally unstable so i guess they yeah. kind of went hey he he's might, killed a thing maybe he'll know what to do he might know what to do yeah he might come over and wow we really thought this out and he did i mean that's just ugh. so they they took her pieces and put her into In garbage, garbage bags. bags and they disposed of her partially at black hawk state park but, you know, they got hungry before they did that. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I mean, it's burning a body and chopping them up and stuff. It's That's tiring, tiring yeah. you know. And so where Gosh. do you go? You go to McDonald's. McDonald's. <laughs> I oh mean, why wow. not? I'm kind of hungry now. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't. Um, mm, gross. So Adrian's parents reported her missing immediately after she didn't show up for work. She was actually very diligent about being at work. She so she had a good work outfit. Yeah. Awesome. And so the fact that she didn't show up, they're like, something's wrong. Something has to be wrong. And they found her five days later. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think we could use a break from that. Yeah. yeah. Gross nasty mm-hmm. so it was like okay you know me i have to look into towns a little bit i don't always because actually the next one i don't think i actually went too much into towns but um so good old uh where she's from in texas and actually el dorado was where she was born el oh, dorado okay. arkansas even though she came from kilgore texas so i was like okay let's find that is um it, it was found in 1843 by Matthew Rainey. It's, quote, a city. I love the cities. County seat of Union County on the southern border of Arkansas. It had 18,884 people in 2010. I will continue to wonder about the nomenclature we used. Yeah. With regard to sizes of towns, cities, that's whatever. That's not a city in my no. mind. I mean, that's smaller than Kiwani. And- yes. I and well, call... the city of Kiwani. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so Anyhow, weird. so El Dorado is headquarters of Arkansas Oil and Gas Commission, as well as Murphy USA, Deltic, Deltic Timber Corporation, and Deltic U.S. Oil Refinery. It was a nationally recognized downtown arts district. Pretty cool. A community college um, and a multicultural arts center, South Arkansas Arts Center. El Dorado is the the population, cultural, and business center of South Central Arkansas. Heart of the 1920s oil boom in the area. Wow. Cool. During World War II, it became the center of of the chemical industry, which it still plays a part in the economy, as do oil and timber. And it's approximately 120 miles from Little Rock. Okay. So, 
And I looked through like historical references and stuff. And it was like, okay, I'm done with this town because it's like creation of this church, creation of that church. <laughs> like, okay, we created a bunch of churches. Cool. Let's move on. So Moline is a bit larger at uh, just shy of 43,000 in 2020. It got its name after it was platted, which is surveyed and planned in 1843. It comes from the French Moulin, which means mill town. Yay. Part of the Quad or Quint Cities, as we like to say. Corporate headquarters for Deer and Company. Quad City International Airport, Blackhawk College, and the Quad Cities campus of Western Illinois University. That's all in Moline. Alito, which is where the they took her and burned her disgusting yeah. is truly a small town with 3640 people as of the 2010 census in the county city of mercer county um it hosts two annual festivals the rhubarb fest and antique days i was like that's kind of cool that's so small town yeah the rhubarb festival is held every june in the city downtown offers a variety of rhubarb related activities ranging from rhubarb pie sales to free rhubarb seed distributions the festival additionally offers other crafts and forms of entertainment and music it's been undertaken every year since 1991 oh just kind of cool it's like hmm i love rhubarb yeah such a swedish thing you know it's funny i yeah i've had a few things and it's like you know i really like this i don't know uh it's weird yeah most of of the rhubarb plant is actually poisonous it's only (laughs) the stalks that you eat Anyhow, but I love rhubarb. Grew up with so much of it. Um, the city of Alito's antique days also uh, occur annually in the month of September instead and include citywide food festival, music from local residents, and the high school music departments, sports competitions among communities in the area. So this is where I, I had looked up the Blackhawk Outreach Center. So it, it, it offers GEDs, English as a second language, optional education, such as high school credit and youth GED, and professional and continuing education classes called PACE. Per Indeed.com, most viewed classes are for forklift operators and the GED. And the cost of courses range from 100 to 2000 and are typically paid out of pocket by whoever goes and stays there, goes and does blah, whatever. So, did we want to talk about Juggalos now or later? It seems like it's. I put all this information. I did talk about. I've got a lot of stuff in here. Yeah, you do. <laughs> My apologies, guys. It's like, wow, I, I really kind of went um, over the top here. So, I will kind of do real quick. Um, or I guess I can talk about Insane Clown Posse next. We can give another sure break. Yeah. All cool. Right. My goodness. Uh, I went um, kind of nuts. <laughs> like really nuts on the Juggalos. All we right. can come back to it. So Sarah, Sarah was arrested and charged with two counts of first degree murder and concealment on February 1st, 2005. She called Adrian a skank and slut. Nice. Corey Gregory was arrested and received the same charges. Sarah's trial became began on November 2nd, 2005 at the Rock Island County Courthouse. Sarah told police, I like Corey. She, meaning Adrian, likes Corey. Corey likes me. He doesn't like her. <laughs> if that tells you anything about her wow. relationship with these two. Yeah, she's just like, um, that's very juvenile. It really is. It really is. Wow. Uh, Mr. Beechamp, who is a man who worked with Adrian, um, she was supposed to babysit for him, but she wanted to bring along Corey. He witnessed them act romantically towards each other, and then he just kind of said, this isn't going to work, and he he took her home. But he, he so- was a witness to... Corey and Adrian having kind of a having a thing, thing. right because we were talking earlier we weren't sure if it was um mutual or not but there at least was one incident right that they were seen being romantic, romantic yes uh Sergeant Brian Fultz testified that Sarah had received a love and apology letters from Adrian and Sarah repeatedly said they are not friends. They, <laughs> he, she doesn't like her. She's a slut. All these other things. Um, Sean McKittrick 
testified that Sarah and Adrian were in the front seats of the car. Sarah was driving, and the line at Taco Bell was really long, so they decided to go in. Um, Sarah went to give Adrian a hug, then pulled her hair. They started fighting, and he tried to get out of the car, but the car was locked. He asked Sarah to unlock it. She said, do it yourself. Sarah and Adrian were screaming at each other, fighting. He was finally able to get out of the car and he left. He didn't want to get into their fight. He did not see anyone throw a punch. He just, he walked back to school. So Corey actually led police to where Adrian had been discarded. And what I've kind of gotten is that Corey, I think, felt guilty afterwards and he was the one who turned them in so he you know led them to the bodies he told them what he and sarah did um sergeant body parts yeah sergeant tim steins testified about finding the remains at blackhawk state historic site in a manhole and under brush in a creek bed in mercer county at sarah's grandparents farm John Hatfield, somebody we might know, might know, <laughs> um, testified about a strong gasoline smell in Sarah's car. He also collected pieces of burned tarp and cloth from Mercer County location. Um, Jessica Bowman, who is the pathologist, testified that the cause of death could not be determined, but was most likely strangulation. Sarah's grandfather, and this is one other thing I found kind of interesting, is a lot of Sarah's family testified in this, and it was kind of against her, because, like, her grandfather said he saw her vehicle on his farm on January 21st. Darren Clower, Sarah's stepfather, testified that Corey was obsessed with Sarah. Classmates testified that Sarah had threatened to kill Adrian on multiple occasions. Sarah wrote in her diary... This is a school diary about killing someone named Jiffy. Coworkers of Sarah said she called a girl Jiffy because she spreads like peanut butter. I'm sorry. Uh, you uh, can't hear my eye roll. I promise it happened. Again, this is all very high school. Very juvenile. Of, yeah. very. Ugh. And I mean, they are young. They are in high school. But the fact that she was so brutally killed and then what they did with her afterwards i mean just the it's more to me it's like okay you we've all seen mean girl type people not necessarily the movie mean girls right but you're like that somebody would say these things and then act on them yes is just horrifying yeah because Um, it's it's so you just youthful blah that you're just like yeah if i heard somebody talking like this i i i'm pretty sure i'd just be like yeah stop being a dumb teenager and grow up right (laughs) grow up carolyn yeah (laughs) yeah it it, it really i mean there there it's very juvenile behavior it's very I, i i mean and it's one of those things where it's like okay so she was very helpful to people who were her friends but then if you cross this her, level of it's, just viciousness yes and it's it's one of those things and that's kind of why it reminds me of the bully of Toulon, where it's like he, he was, was very the type similar of guy who would help his friends but I mean, then the people who spoke on his behalf oh yeah. he was always the santa and yeah. all these other things but anybody who oh you crossed the line with regard to my property mm-hmm. Bye. So it kind of makes you wonder, like, if this hadn't happened, would Sarah have gone off the deep end anyhow? Right. It. I, I think she was there. Yeah. So we had mentioned the party earlier where, you know, Adrian had slept with the guy and that pissed Sarah off. And that was kind of the start of the decline of their relationship. Um, but multiple te- people testified that Sarah was, in fact testing adrian and adrian felt failed that test by having slept with two boys on two different occasions um so this might actually be a good part to yeah go back, go to, back to that juggalo. whole juggalo thing thanks because i'm just like oh my gosh i wrote a lot about i just really enjoyed looking up the juggalo stuff that's not obvious so um 
basically, let's go back to this whole, I'm going back to the Juggalos. <laughs> um, so the Insane Clown Posse. I gotta find it. There it is. So they were formed in Detroit in 1989 as a gangster rap group. Um, ICP, as they're known, uh, their best known lineup consists of rappers Violent J, whose name is really Joseph Bruce, and Shaggy Too Dope. Originally Too Dope, and Joseph Utzler is his real name. So Insane Clown Posse is known for its elaborate live performance and theatrical horror-inspired lyrics. The duo has has earned two platinum and five gold albums. According to the Nielsen SoundScan, the entire catalog of the group has sold more than 6.5 million units in the United States and Canada as of April 2007. Okay, so some old information, but they're not as big now this was during their height right um so they have this established and dedicated group called the juggalos um so the songs of the insane clown posse center thematically on a mythology of the dark carnival a metaphoric limbo in which the lives of the dead are judged by one or of several entities the dark carnival is elaborated through a series of stories called joker's cards each of which offers a a specific lesson designed to change the evil ways of the listeners before the end consumes us all. So this is kind of where you're like, okay, yeah, does sound like it might have maybe not, not necessarily a Christian theme, but definitely a God, right? There's God out there. So I was looking for specific uh, legal woes, um, like uh, parents up in arms, all mad at them, and the juggalos for corrupting their kids. There were some fights between um, various members of the Insane Clown Posse and individuals, one at a concert, another at a Waffle House after a concert. But I found this thing about are they Christian very, very Interesting. Interesting. Several journalists have commented on the apparent conflict between the group's sexualized and often violent lyrics and their stated spiritual message. In June 2010, interview with uh, the Colombian's Alan uh, Scully, Bruce explained, sex and violence is the stuff that people are talking about on the streets. To get attention, you have to speak their language. To have, uh, you have to interest them, gain their trust, talk to them, and show, you their, show them that you are one of them. You're a person from the street and speak of your experiences. Then at the end, you can tell them that God has sh- helped me out like this and it might transfer over instead of just come straight out and just speak straight out of religion. So, an article right after that, The Guardian, John Ronson characterized them as evangelical Christians, actually, who have only been pretending to be brutal and statistic to trick their fans into believing in God. That's interesting. interesting. (laughs) I mean, okay. Okay. (laughs) And an interview with them uh, conducted for the article two of Ronson's queries referred parenthetically to their Christian message and the members identities as secret Christians several papers including the Washington Post uh, published summaries of his claims eight days after the Guardian article Joseph Bruce tweeted I think it's crazy how some press say we're a Christian band and act like we're all religious I'm proud that we believe in God but I haven't been to church since I was like 10. I don't even know if Utzler has ever been to church. Christianity Today writer Mark Mooring also challenged Bronson's characterization, writing that the guys in ICP haven't used the word Christian or evangelical, so let's not call them anything they're not claiming for themselves. (laughs) Okay. So, um, and then the juggalos themselves. According to Shaggy Tudope, Juggalos come from all walks of life, from poverty, from rich, from all religions, all colors. It doesn't matter if you were born with a silver spoon in your mouth or a crack rock in your mouth. Awesome. (laughs) Juggalos have compared themselves to a family. So um, what are some common characteristics? Drinking and spraying the inexpensive soft drink Fago. Do you even know what the heck that is? No, I haven't even heard of that. I was like, I tried to look it up. I'm like, I don't understand what this is. But anyhow, it's a soft drink. Okay. Um, Listening to horrorcore and other types of underground rap music, wearing face paint, generally those either like an evil clown or perhaps similar to a corpse, Um, wearing hatchet gear, that's the name of a uh, brand, or chapter 17, branded clothes, having a Hatchet Man logo applied to personal effects and die cast worn as jewelry, 
doing hair in the spider legs style, like the twist it members. I love okay. these spider. It's funky. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I, dreads I, that come. I full, remember. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, the weird funky yeah, yeah. dreads that are coming out like a spider. Yeah. Um, displaying the gesture of wicked clown, the west side sign, and the left hand of the C sign of American Sign Language with the right, with the arms crossed over. So it's okay. like a... Yeah, you can't see what I'm doing over here. <laughs> making, I can see. You all can't see. <laughs> making and responding to whoop whoop calls and expressing a generally tongue-in-cheek obsession with murder committed with a blade weapon. Hmm. Juggalos views the li- view the lyrics of psychopathic re- record artists, which are often violent in nature, as a catharsis for aggression. Um, I found charities related, created by juggalos, and there's also a subculture of juggalos that choose violence and crime. There's even discussion of the violent and the non-violent juggalos clashing. (laughs) Yeah, that's when I stopped going further down the rabbit hole, because I had way more about the, um, there were a lot of examples of articles and stuff about these charity um, focused juggalos and the ones who are like, F them. Yeah. <laughs> I choose violence and crime. You're like, okie dokie then. But yeah, it's it's like they're just um, the ones who tend to be lean more towards the um, helping others. They say, you know, this is back to that whole insane clown posse is about family and lifting each other up. Right. And, you know, through horror and hate and terror, we overcome these things and are better people for it. Mm-hmm. So... Where the other group's like, no, hate and crime and <laughs> horrible. That's what we're supposed to do. So, yeah, it's it's interesting. I think, um, I mean, I obviously know who the Juggalos are. Well, I know who the Insane Clown Posse yeah. are. They're interesting. They've got an interesting message. Um, it's not for everybody because, right. yeah, it's some of that stuff's pretty, uh, pretty hardcore sounding. Yeah. So. Anyhow, that's the Juggalos and then saying Clown Posse. (laughs) So back to uh, Sarah's trial. Um, Sarah's sister testified that she helped Sarah dispose of a shovel, a garden tool, and a necklace believed to to be be Adrian's. Uh, Nathan testified he did what they asked to keep his friends out of jail. So, you know, I mean. I hope that guy's getting help. Because he's a little, um, wow. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, Pat Corbin, Nathan's grandmother, testified about finding the saw. I can't even imagine. She Ugh. she found it in the basement. She went downstairs to... Uh, she He'd been acting weird, and she noticed he had been in the basement, so she went down and what she found What is going it. on in this basement? And I then mean, you find a bloody saw? saw. Yeah, and she Oof. called the police immediately. Good on her. Yeah. For being like, my grandson is up to something and you need to check him out. And that just. Oh. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I don't know what I would do if I came across a bloody saw. Yeah. But <sighs> she called police. So. Well, as in, I think I would probably yeah. puke first. Well. I think the, the calling the police would be a definite, but the. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> what I would mean, be your are, immediate? You know, there are some people who would be like, oh my gosh, I can't give I don't want my kid to right. ruin their life, whatever. But if they did that, what are they going to do to you? True. Yeah. <laughs> so after two weeks and 15 hours of deliberation, a mistrial was decided. Um, <sighs> one juror voted acquittal and 11 to convict. Um, so the retrial began in February of 2006 and this time she was convicted convicted on all counts and sentenced to 53 years for murder and concealment. Corey Gregory took a plea deal in July 2006. He was sentenced to 45 years in prison. His mother said he changed after meeting Sarah under state law. He must serve every day of the 40 years for the murder charge. Nathan Gaudet was turned in, like I said, by, by his grandmother. grandmother. He was char- charged with concealment and helping to dismember. He received a five-year sentence with, as a juvenile. He served four years, and then four years later, That's he funny. died in a car crash. I forgot about that, because I was like, there wasn't a ton on him, and now I'm like, yeah, duh, mm-hmm. because he died. Yeah. 
So this is where I go down another lovely little rabbit hole about um, what proportion of homicides are committed by youth involve multiple offenders. And apparently more than half of the homicides committed by known juvenile offenders in 2020 involved multiple offenders. Mm. I had this interesting looking graph and basically what it's showing um, that you guys of course can't see is that it's been going up. The lone juvenile offender back in 1980, that was more like um, closer to 70% of all murders by a juvenile offender or uh, was single. single, And it's now more than 50%. So it's definitely, it's on the rise. A little And you wonder, you go, so, because you sit there and think, you know, uh, an individual, that lone wolf that gets angry and just lashes out. And it mm-hmm. seems like there are more people connecting mm. that are of similar uh, thoughts. You know, social media. Yes. Yeah. You know, it does bring people together mm-hmm. over and certain things. As more and more like, things happen, yeah. you know, since Columbine, more school shootings. Mm-hmm. There's just, wow. So I also felt it was really important to note statistics about that show by phobia plays a big part in bullying and violence and even though she was a queen bee Mm -hmm. some queen bees have a history and there's a history of violence that they hide sure so um all of the youth were getting their geds presumably they had issues in high school right potentially from bullying potentially from their family you know there was Mm -hmm. just problems there um it could also be a foundational indicator in sarah's violence towards others particularly a love interest who had wronged her. Right. So um, a study done by the Williams Institute in 2012 found that although gay men, lesbians, and bisexuals make up 3.5% of the population, sexual orientation-based hate crimes make up roughly 30% of reported hate crimes every year. Additionally, the anti-violence projects... 2014 report determined that bisexual survivors of violence represented almost 12% of survivors and victims of anti-LGBT violence in 2014, an increase from 2013 with only 9%. So the violence is on the rise. Um, I found a really interesting Teen Vogue article written by a bi woman with regard to violence against bisexual women. Um, hypersexualization being a piece because bi women are often depicted in popular media and pornography as objects of titillation for straight men rather than as unique autonomous people we're thought to be perpetual perpetually down for sex mm-hmm. whether we consent or not this false belief incre- increases the likelihood that dangerous folks will target bi women um, for sexual assault Mm-hmm. So um, people often mistake someone coming out as bisexual as a sexual invitation. When someone is simply sharing their identity, people think they're inviting them to the bedroom. Um, author experienced lack of trust with partners, a common theme. You're going to cheat because all people are potential uh, are p- partners for you. Mm-hmm. So you're going to cheat because you're out there looking for them. Like, no, (laughs) the stereotype is bi women are untrustworthy, can't be content with just one partner. Of course, some bi women do practice polyamory or other forms of non-monogamy, and that's okay. But there's a difference between choosing a consensually non-monogamous relationship and being dubbed prone to cheating because of who we are. So in the former case, we're expressing our agency to have the relationship of our choice. In the latter, partners may use our sexuality as an excuse to behave in an insecure, possessive, or even abusive way. Mm -hmm. So I felt this particularly, the way those words... It really fits with Sarah's actions. She felt she had to test the victim, perhaps projecting some of that, the trust issues she may have had with partners in the past onto her. So, I mean, there's uh, many more CDC data shows that bisexual women have an increased risk of intimate partner violence. Mm -hmm. So there's just, there's been more and more data. And what's interesting is a few years ago, they're just, they weren't, actually collecting the data so almost all of the data is relatively new sure because it's like oh well group them with all bisexuals or group them with all gay or well and even i I, you know i mean i i've 
just listened to some different podcasts and different things and a lot of bisexual people feel like they're not even really accepted into the LGBT community because of the fact that you know, I think people have this in their mind that you have to choose, you know, you have to choose, you have to choose. And so it's kind of like, okay, but what if I'm attracted to both sexes? What do I, you know, and And you can still have a monogamous relationship. Exactly. That's um, a a person I'm a friend, I'm friends with on Facebook is a relative, a person I used to um, serve with when I was in the military. And I remember several years ago, um, she wrote something about um, being bi, blah, 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 blah. And one of her relatives was like, well, that'll give everybody something interesting to talk about during whatever next family event. And she's like, why would we talk about this? Right. What, you think because um, that means I'm going to, like, divorce my husband? Right. Because this is a bi woman who is married, married to a to man. man. Yeah, sure. It's like, just because I have... I identify and I'm not saying I identify as bi but that's right. I'm like she what she was saying she's like just because I identify as bi doesn't mean I can't have a monogamous relationship it doesn't mean right. I don't love my husband and doesn't mean I'm going to leave him tomorrow for the next pretty girl that walks down the street right you're just like no that's but that was that that was one of her family's like instant response mm-hmm. oh we're gonna talk about this at the next family <laughs> gathering <laughs> like how why embarrassing what? oh i was just, so pissed on I her mean, behalf i'd be like I, I yeah i don't even know. it's like the oh. fuck aunt trudy or whatever her name was <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, there's, it's interesting. There's a lot in this report. It's Mm -hmm. just, you're like, um, the lifetime prevalence of rape, physical violence, and or stalking by an intimate partner is extremely high in the lesbian, gay, and bisexual community, with lesbian women at almost 44%, gay men at 26%, bisexual women, 61%, and bisexual men, 37%. So they report experiencing this violence compared to heterosexual women at 35% and heterosexual men at 29. So among the women who experienced rape, physical violence, and or stalking in the context of an intimate relationship, the majority of bisexual and heterosexual women, that's uh, 89% and 98 so nearly all by women reported only male perpetrators while self-identified lesbians 67% reported having only female perpetrators so almost all of bisexual women who have been violated in this manner have been violated by a man Mm. and yeah uh Anyhow, yeah. it's just, you're like, wow. Well, um, Adrian's story doesn't end there. Um, and in 2022, so obviously very recently. Very recently. Uh, Corey Gregory had a resentencing hearing. Much to everyone's surprise, Corey is now Harley Quinn. Uh, the court accepted and addressed her as such going forward. Arguments based on the ruling that 40 years for a juvenile is unconstitutional. Um, She did address the court, stating that she was a child at the time of the murder and asked to be recognized as one. She addressed the family, stating that she could give her life. If she could give her life, she would. That she was sorry. She knew it didn't make a difference. That she wouldn't ask for forgiveness. She knows she doesn't deserve it. She also stated she wanted to look Adrian in the eye in the next life. Adrian's father said, I'm pretty sure you're going to hell. You're not <laughs> going to see her. Uh, the judge upheld the original 40-year sentence. Sarah Kolb is also up for resentencing hearing, but it's currently been postponed. I just love that. I'm pretty sure you're going to hell. You're yeah. not going to see her. So um, I had also found a Marshall Project. I I, I found a bunch of different articles about um, child killers. And while the children in this article um, were, they were, uh, 
they killed or were killed in seriously different circumstances. It feeds into the his whole what is justice when a child kills? And it was raised, and this is what was raised by Harley's lawyers, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, what do you do? Um, the Marshall Project is a nonprofit online journalism organization that focuses on issues related to criminal justice in the United States. It was founded by a former hedge fund manager, Neil Barsky, with the former New York Times executive editor, Bill Keller, and it's the first editor-in-chief. So the website states that it aims to create and sustain a sense of national urgency about the U.S. criminal justice system. Um, Susan Shira has been editor-in-chief since since 2019 and has won the Pulitzer Prize twice. So this whole thing, I think this is part of that Marshall Project thing. They're they're looking at what is right and wrong with regard to, um, we've seen a lot of it. Yeah. Well, if you've got a child killer, do you try them as adult or as a child? Right. What happens after they turn 21? Is there any, is there a redeemable quality to a child because they're, you know, they haven't formed, their frontal lobe isn't completely formed, right. all those different things. Um, I mean, and, and the name of it honors Thur- Thurgood Marshall, the NAACP's civil rights activist and attorney whose arguments won the US, landmark U.S. Supreme Court school desegregation case, Brown versus Board of Education. So it was just one of those, um, I found that to be an interesting, if you want to read through that article, it was the Marshall Project with regard to what justice for kids who kill. Mm-hmm. But it was from 2015. And it was an a, uh, inner city kids that were given amazingly long sentences. And they didn't even, it was one of those, they didn't even mean to kill the person. They had a gun, mm-hmm. found a gun, shot. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, but and I mean, in this case, they very were very different. Very. I mean, I'm glad that they held upheld that one because it's like you know they, they actively pursued her. Yes. Um, they definitely took her out to lunch under false pretenses. Yes. This was um, an egregious long. They had planned. They had done a lot of planning, at least to mm-hmm. undermine and be violent towards her. Whether mm-hmm. I don't know how much they planned the getting the yeah, gas and yeah, burning her I body don't. part, but yeah, I don't know. Oof. But yeah, I mean, it's definitely. And I hope whenever Sarah's trial comes up, that's kind of the same result. Yeah. Because I mean, yeah. Once we see what comes out of her, uh, we'll give an update. Mm-hmm. Once um, we hear about it, <laughs> we'll check back. Yeah. So. Of course, I need to talk a little more about Adrian. Um, so, Adrian Lee Reynolds was born September 12th, 1988. Obviously, In we El- already talked Eldorado, about El Dorado. Uh, she was a talented singer and planned to ad- audition for American Idol. Her favorite song to sing was Amazing Grace. She talked about becoming a fashion artist. She wanted to join the Marines. She was loved and will be missed by her friends and family. She's currently, well, she's buried in. She's <laughs> she, residing she in. She is residing in um, Riverside Cemetery in Moline. So yeah. it's, I mean, it's it's sad because she really was trying right. to kind of straighten her life out. I mean, I it sounds like she may have been a little promiscuous, but, you know, at 50, she's 15. Yeah, she's, cute. You um, know, I think maybe she had some things going on that, Maybe I don't, you know, we don't know for sure, but it seemed like, I don't know, at that age, if you're being very sexually active, it might be signs some of other, other underlying issues. On. Yeah. Um, and they said they had moved to, for a change of scenery because there were issues right. in Texas, but we and don't I have a lot of the, what was the sub what was underneath that right what was the context of that issue they were having and it, it's it's hard because um i i've always hated the word promiscuous just because i think that it's almost always utilized when talking about a woman yes and it's like you know somebody's sexual uh, uh, relationships whatever you know that doesn't make the person that's no that's not what they're I think it's part of our whole, the U.S. in particular, you know, having lived overseas and what have you, there's that whole moral superiority that definitely follows our roots in being a a country that was stood up. It's funny Mm -hmm. for um, religious freedom, yet we tend to be very 
I don't know, moral police and yeah. very push your religion on others, which I find to be highly entertaining since we were actually created on the basis of, of freedom, freedom of religion. Yeah. So, right. yeah, separation of church and state. We could go a lot further along that, and I could talk about that for lots of <laughs> Well, I, I, really, I, I respect people who are religious. I respect people who believe very yeah. deeply. But I also see, I, I have for many, many years witnessed a lot of hypocrisy along those lines. Same. So um, I'm with you. I'm your supporter and your cheerleader if you want to believe a certain thing. As George Carlin said, keep thy religion to thyself. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and I think uh, that's maybe part of the, with Adrienne, you know, I think she was exploring herself, trying to figure out who she was. Right. Trying to figure out what she liked and trying to find a way to better herself. And, and she I was think, looking for her family outside of her family. Because, yes. again, I'm thinking that whole juggalo thing, it really was rooted in... Right. Group togetherness, a family. And I think Sarah was this person that people kind of flocked to because she had these leadership qualities and she was very open to helping people. But then... Well, and that test thing, didn't they kind of sort of throw one of those guys at her too? I don't remember if we... It's a whole when you look through lots and lots of stuff and you try to condense it down. It wasn't just that she found some guy at the party and started making out with him. a friend uh, of Sarah's. That she pushed at him. It's like, okay, if you think your partner might stray, if you set them up like really, really hard that direction and they actually do... That's on you. That's on you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Because, I mean, if I'm trying to think of like, you know, 15, 16, 18 year old me, if I wasn't truly tied to anybody and some cute guy came up and was saying all the right things and he was a friend, you know, he's a friend of this girl that you've been really uh, tight with. You're like, hey, sure. Mm -hmm. And she's like, they're egging you on. Okay. Right. Maybe I might not have slept with him the same night as meeting him. I, we, but we don't know if that was the first time she met him or anything. I yeah, don't know. Yeah, we don't know. And yeah, it just seems like the circumstances were definitely questionable there. Yeah. And I, I think Sarah or Adrian was set up by Sarah. And, and it's a shame that they had to go to such lengths as... Well, why? it's beyond a shame. Why? It's a what the heck? Well, yeah. <laughs> no, what the fuck? How do you how do you go? Yeah, <laughs> it really is how, a what the fuck. Seriously, how do you go from I'm good friends with this person and they're a love interest to that ragey, violent? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I'm sorry, but what wrong? What is the heck was wrong with that kid where he? They called him up and he was willing to okay, pack I'll, up a box. I'll come over and cut her head off for you. What? I'm making a face. I mean, it's probably audible. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I, yeah. I don't get that one at all. No. This is random because to me, it's like every time I was reading through stuff, the whole Nathan part just seemed so random. Yes. That's why I, I, it's like my brain just didn't want to latch on to him. Cause I'm like, and dude walks into, walk. it's like you're watching a movie or something. Dude just comes in, hacks, bye. bye. <laughs> Sorry. You're just like, what? Did uh, I just see that thing or was I just uh, tripping there for a moment? And then the, the McDonald's break too, kind of. Oh yeah. Man. Makes you go. That was a lot of work. Wow. Wow. Let's get know. some Big Macs. Yeah. And French yeah. fries. I, 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 <laughs> yeah, I think we could speculate on that one. I mean, again, I can see if you're not grossed out terribly that that is a lot of work. Sure. I've heard it takes a lot of effort. I'm sure. To cut it through does, bones. But yeah. Yeah. Ugh. No. All right. And and mm, I'm pretty mm. sure I wouldn't be able to eat anything after all that. Uh, no. Gross. No. No. Anyhow. Yeah. I could talk about that for a while. I don't need so, to though. There there you have it. Um thank you for listening to Nothing Happens <laughs> in a Small Town. Where we get grossed out and you go, Okay, are they gonna stop talking about being grossed out yet? 
yes we are done folks we are done so you know things things do happen happen. in small towns some of them quite gross and they're not the quiet quaint places you think they are yeah let's just burn a body in grandma's Uh, farm gross so you can uh, <laughs> support us using our Patreon page, which is www.patreon.com slash nothing happens in a small town. Instagram username profile is nothing happens in a small town. Our Twitter username and profile is nothing happens in a small town at N-H-I-A-S-T. Our Facebook page is nothing happens in a small town at N-H-I-A-S-T 2021. And our Gmail is nothing happens in a small town at gmail.com. I know. Sounds like the same words all over again. I do try to monitor those, but I will be honest that Twitter is not my favorite so i don't look at that one very often but i don't have a twitter account just let you know like, if you are if <laughs> I you let really Melissa want to contact that. us you know gmail is probably the best because i do get that often um facebook or instagram are better because i do check those regularly twitter I, I i yeah i admit i only look at it really every two weeks when i post this so yeah i don't know i'm kind of long I'm back with Betty White when it comes to Twitter. What wasn't she? Wasn't she on like SNL and said, "Well, that sounds like a useless use of my time," or something along those lines? Yeah, I, I just I don't. It's not my. If you understand favorite. our day jobs and stuff, we don't access those while we're at work at all. Right. So, not just because we, yeah, we just can't. Period. We can't. Yeah. Anyhow. So, yeah. And until we don't have day jobs. <laughs> right. <laughs> Someday, though, maybe we'll just do this full time. Woo, that would be fun. That would be awesome. If Anyhow. it's not obvious, I like to look this stuff up. And so do I. <laughs> All right. All right. We're just rambling now. Yeah, so, so bye, everybody. Bye.